The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy might be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves, because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I have told you everything I have heard from my Father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Yesterday I was driving through Baton Rouge and a few of the normal, I guess, trademark things about Baton Rouge struck me. Uh, the usual abundance of Gordon McKernan signs was all around. They've got some new changes this week. But one of the things that stuck out to me most was the flag over his office uh, right off of College and Corporate. Usually he has the John 3.16 flag. We all know the John 3.16 verse, right? For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. But as I drove by yesterday, it had changed to Psalm 23. I don't know if maybe I just changed my traffic patterns and it's normally out there at that time. It doesn't really matter. But it got me thinking. I was kind of pondering what verses I would put up on a flag, and I'd probably do things that would just confuse people, put verses that have no meaning whatsoever, so they would have to go and dig a little bit more to figure out what in the world is this priest talking about. But as I was pondering what his intention was of having these, these uh, scripture verses on the flags, it was a recognition that pretty much everybody knows John 3.16, and everybody knows Psalm 23. Even a good atheist could probably tell you what they are. So often are they quoted. So many times are they referenced at funerals and various other celebrations. And the reality is that we be, we're able to hear it so often that what can easily happen is that it becomes powerless. John 3.16, Psalm 23, and other verses that we're used to, they can easily be emptied of their power and their punch their effectiveness to touch our hearts because they can become rather cliche. God loved the world. Oh yeah, I know that story. That's a great story. The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, that's a good psalm. Everybody loves that psalm. And not really to allow it to sink in and to, to actually touch our hearts. And so the important thing for us is from time to time to ensure that even the things that are kind of normal things for us, the prayers that we pray frequently, the, the scriptures that we quote often or hear quoted often, to make sure that we actually take time to stop and let them challenge us once again. 
And the scriptures today we hear uh, from the letter of John and we hear from the gospel of John. And they both have common themes, of course, being the same writer. They both speak of this invitation for us to love and to love one another. The reality is that as John speaks to us about the love of God, what would have happened in the ancient world is the jaws would have dropped to the floor in response to what John was saying. I mean, think about it. The Jewish people were the only ones that had kind of a personal relationship with God. All the rest of the nations, all the Gentile people that we hear today received the Holy Spirit and baptism. All of these other nations had gods that were angry gods, vengeful gods, that you had to offer incense to appease the gods. You had to sacrifice this, that, or the other thing so that the gods wouldn't be angry. It was always the human person who had to come and to give up something in themselves so that God could be happy with them. It even goes to such great extremes that in, in various nations, adults, parents were asked to sacrifice their children so that God wouldn't be upset. So crazy was this recognition that God was just out to get everybody. And yet here comes this Jesus who comes and shows the world that God loves you so much Rather than you offering something to him, he's offering something to you. This is what we hear in in John's letter today. And this is love. Not that you have loved God, but that God has loved you. It would be easy for us to love God. It kind of makes sense for us to love God. If you're a gambling person, a good bet is to follow Christ. Because if you fall out and nothing, and, and you know, uh, as, they, as they would say, <laughs> you know, if we're wrong, we're wrong. Life goes on. But if we're right, we're right. <laughs> and life goes on forever. And it's this recognition that if we love God, I have everything to gain. Because without Christ, pretty much my life is an absolute wreck. I can say that from, as a verifiable fact. Without Christ, my life becomes very much self-centered, self-focused. I don't connect with other people. I become quite sinful. I become quite disfigured on who Christ calls me to be, to who I was created to be from the first. That's all of us. That's our story. Whenever we have Christ, when we love God, our life is changed here and now. But also, we have the promise of salvation. So if I love God, if I keep his commandments, if I show love to God and love to neighbor, then I can easily just ride in on the coattails of Christ, ride right into heaven. And I gain everything. But this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us. God loving us, it means that God gains absolutely nothing for himself. Other than a bunch of sinners. God has everything. This candle always freaks me out. Every other week I try to knock over the Paschal candle. I'm sorry. Maybe I'll move it two inches more. God gains us. He's got heaven. He is heaven. He has everything in eternity. God is absolutely perfect in himself. He has zero need for anything. 
And yet, he's created us. He's breathed life into every one of us. He watches over us. He sustains us. He even sends his son for us to be able to save us from our sins. That's love. Love doesn't count what it can gain for itself. Love gives everything to the other, counting zero costs whatsoever, simply because it desires the good of the other. When I love God, if I'm honest with myself, oftentimes I love God because I know I get something sweet out of the deal. I get heaven, and I get God. But when God loves us, what does he get out of the deal? Humility. Christ gets obedience to the Father. The joy of the cross. And then he gets us. Imperfect creatures. Who he calls to be perfect. That message, when first proclaimed to the world, left people absolutely stunned. Again, because God doesn't do that. <laughs> we're supposed to do everything for him. We're, we're, just, we're just little nothings. But to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God of, of Jesus Christ... He does everything for us. And it doesn't make sense. And here we see what love really looks like. All throughout the Gospel of John, we hear about this reality of love. God is love. For God so loved the world. And this is love, right? Over and over and over, we hear about the reality of the love of God. And it's easy for us to allow it to be just one of those things that we know. Psalm 23, oh yeah, good psalm. God is love, God loves me, yeah, yeah, God loves me, that's good. But not to let it really touch our hearts. It's easy to keep it at arm's distance, kind of like the candle. To allow Christ to come to us but not to come and remain in us. And this is what he calls us to today. To ensure that the age-old message of God is love actually changes things for us. Because the reality is that, that God loves us first. Pope Benedict beautifully pointed out in his first encyclical letter, Deus Caritas, God is love. He said basically... The response is that God always moves first. Our love is always in reaction to the love of God. Therefore, every time I say I love you to God, what I really mean is I love you too. I love you too. Because it's God who says it first. He says it in countless ways over and over and over again to us, each individually, as a father to his child. I love you. I love you. And the only thing he desires is for us to say and to mean from our hearts, I love you too. (coughs) To say it from our heart means that it actually changes our life. That it means that we've encountered the Father. 
that we experience what it means to be a son or daughter of God. That we can experience, as the Father loves me, so I love you. We can experience the love of God. And not just experience it, but to live it. To say, I love you too, to the Lord with all of our heart, it requires us to love one another. If you love me, you'll keep my commandment. And my commandment is this, love one another. To be so filled with the love of God, to have encountered the love of the Father, to be able to say, I love you too, to God is to be able to look at every single person around us and to recognize God loves them too. (laughs) And for us to recognize in every single person a brother or sister. They may not have encountered the Father's love yet. They may not know Jesus Christ. They may not understand anything else around us. But we do. And this is our task. To love one another. Again, the message is incredibly cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. God is love. God does love us. The question is, are we willing to love him with all of our heart? To truly say to him, I love you too, and to allow it to change our life. It doesn't mean we do it perfectly. That's why we have reconciliation. That's why we have the sacraments to strengthen us and to change us as well. But are we willing to start? Because that's the main thing. It's not really our work to begin with. It's Christ's work in us. Remain in me, he says. Allow my life to be in you. Allow my love to be in you. And so, St. John invites us today to encounter love itself, Christ. To hear his word again, to receive him in the sacraments, to recognize the love of God in one another. Today the Lord looks at us and he says simply, I love you. May God grant us the grace to respond, I love you too with all of us.